So as we uh, turn our attention today to our scripture lesson, we'll be reading from uh, Malachi. We'll be reading from Malachi chapter 4. We'll read the whole chapter. It's only a few short verses, uh, the last verses in the Old Testament. And so now as we uh, turn our attention to God's word, let's first uh, go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for the chance to come together, to come together and to turn to your word. We ask that as we gather in worship today, whether in this room or around this country or this world, that you would be here with us wherever we are, that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds, and that the same spirit who inspired the prophet to write these words so many years ago would inspire us as we read and hear today that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Malachi chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Listen to the word of God. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the teaching of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that I commanded him at Horeb for Israel. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as our hearts turn now to reflect upon your word, we ask that you would help that word to find its way into our lives, that we might see your action all around us anew. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we might see you at work in our lives, in our communities, and in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Malachi 4 gives us the last words of the Old Testament. Now, over the past six months or so, uh, we've been on a journey as a church, studying scripture together, reading the Bible together. We've spent time journeying through all the books and stories of scripture, getting to know what God has been doing in history. And as we've been learning this story, as we've been studying the Bible together, we've, we've walked through many different books of the Old Testament. And today, we come to the conclusion of this first part of our study. Today, we come to the end of the Old Testament. Malachi 4, the last words of the Old Testament. And these words are such perfect words to conclude this first part of our study. They, they help us look back at everything that has come before. They help to summarize what we've seen in Scripture. They help us uh, have fresh eyes to see all that will come in the New Testament and in the days and weeks ahead. 
And they also help us understand the world around us. And in addition to all of these wonderful things this passage can do, it happens to be a passage that we know very well. Probably better than we realize. Malachi 4 is actually a passage that many of us have committed to memory, at least small parts of it. You may have recognized the words from Malachi 4. You may have realized that you have them committed to heart. Because we use Malachi 4 every year. We recite portions of this passage of Scripture. We recite them to music. Some people call that singing. But we recite these portions of Malachi 4 set to music. We sing these songs uh, using Malachi 4. And we, we don't sing them when we think about the Old Testament. We don't sing them during Lent. We sing words from Malachi 4 every year at Christmas. Did you catch it? Seeing some perhaps nodding, many blank faces. When we, when we think about these words, maybe it'll help if I give you some of the words around them. Um, Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Malachi 4. We sing words from Malachi 4 every year at Christmas. This image of the sun of righteousness risen with healing in its wings. And that song, that hymn, does such a beautiful job of tying together this prophecy, condensing it really into two words, light and life. And that's what we see in Malachi, the sun of righteousness, the sun which brings light. And healing in his wings, healing which brings life. I mean, Malachi speaks words, uh, the day of the Lord, that will bring light and life to those who follow God's commands. Light and life. And that Christmas song does such a nice job tying that in to our understanding of Christmas itself. To that, that imagery we find in the New Testament, that in him was light the light was, the life was the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, this is how we talk about the birth of Christ, light and life. And in fact, not only does this help us understand the birth of Christ and, and what uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus means, but this, this, this passage, these images of light and life, if you were to look back at everything we've seen in the Old Testament, uh, we're, we're coming towards... It's the equivalent of a midterm. We're coming towards the end. If I asked you for your midterm project to summarize the Old Testament, if you were forced to do so in two words, light and life do a pretty good job. I mean, really, that's what we have seen over and over again in the Old Testament. In fact, the very first words of the Old Testament are words of light and life. We begin with darkness hovering over the face of the deep, and then God speaks. And the very first words that God speaks in Scripture, let there be... Oh, come on. Have you not been listening? Let there be light. The very first image in Scripture is light. And then we watch as God creates this light, and God brings forth life. Light and life coming out of darkness. A light that cuts through and burns through the darkness, making it melt away. 
The first images in scripture are images of light and life coming out of darkness. And then we see that pattern repeated over and over and over and over again in the stories of the Old Testament. We, we see it repeated right away in the garden. Adam and Eve placed in this beautiful garden, but yet they disobey God's commands and it looks as though darkness will overcome their story as this garden that was a place of safety and comfort all of a sudden becomes very dangerous for them. And it appears that darkness will overcome their story. And yet, God is right there with them. And God brings light and life out of the darkness. He takes them out of the garden and gives them a new place to live and a new chance at life. Darkness does not overcome their story. Light and life shine through. We see it again as we go a little farther and we meet a character named Joseph. And Joseph and his brothers who become very, very angry at Joseph. They become very jealous and they they come to hate Joseph. And their, their fear, their jealousy, their hatred leads them to bloodshed, to violence. And it looks as though Joseph's story will end in darkness as his own brothers cast him into a pit. And as Joseph is at the bottom of this pit, Joseph will spend years and years in darkness. And yet, even if Joseph couldn't see the light, the light was shining in the darkness. And God brought light and life out of that darkness. God spared Joseph. And then God used Joseph to spare an entire nation, bringing light and life to the nation of Egypt through Joseph. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We see it happen again as the people find themselves in Egypt. And at this point, they find themselves under an oppressive king and an unjust system, an evil ruler who injures the people and oppresses them. And they live in darkness, but the darkness does not overcome their story. And God is right there with them in the midst of the darkness. And even even when he is condemned to death on the day of his birth, God is there with Moses. And God spares Moses. God brings light and life to Moses, uh, floating him down the river in that basket. And then God uses Moses to set the people free, bringing light and life out of the darkness. We see it again when the people head into the promised land. And the neighboring nations are very scared of the people of God. And it looks as though warfare may break out at any moment. And at that time, in the midst of that darkness, God brings light and life. And God raises up leaders, ordinary people that we call judges. People like like Deborah, like Gideon, like Samson, who proclaim the good news of the gospel and bring comfort and safety to God's people. They bring light in the midst of that darkness because the darkness will not overcome it. We watch as the people then set up their own leaders. They set up kings. And we watch as those kings lead the people astray. Leaders who are focused more on their own desires, their own self-interest, than the welfare of the people entrusted to them. And we watch as the kings bring darkness to the people. And in some of those moments, it must have been so hard for the people to see light in the midst of that darkness, yet God was right there bringing light and life. That light was shining in the darkness, and God raised up more leaders, people like Isaiah, people like Hezekiah, who who made the people a little more prayerful, a little more worshipful, a little more faithful. And the light was shining in the darkness, so the darkness could not overcome it. But we continued through the story of the Old Testament. And we watched as the worst case scenario happened. The unthinkable came to pass as the kingdoms fell. And the temple was left a smoldering pile of ashes. 
And so many people lost everything. Homes, loved ones, livelihoods, and lives. And as they found themselves plunged into the depths of that darkness, it may be that they could not see or imagine the light. They found themselves torn away from their homes. And when they ended up in a new strange land, God was already there. And even if they couldn't see God at work, God was already there raising up leaders once again. People like Daniel, people like Esther, who would proclaim the good news of the gospel, who would, who would show the people that light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, bringing light and life. And then we found that that light was shining in and around and through the darkness of empires that rose and fell, of nations that grew and, and then collapsed. We saw that light outlast Assyria, outlast Babylon, outlast Persia, and we saw as God brought the people back home, healing in his wings so they could rebuild, so they could restore, so they could renew as they built the new temple, as they re remembered their practices and their faith. And we saw God raise up leaders again, Ezra and Nehemiah, and we meet characters like Malachi, who looks back at this history of darkness after darkness, and each time Malachi sees the light shining in the darkness so that the darkness cannot, has not, and will not overcome it. And Malachi proclaims on the day of the Lord, for those who follow God's commands, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. This is how we understand the entire Old Testament. If you had to, to summarize the Old Testament, light and life does a pretty good job. And this is how we understand the birth of Christ. That's why we incorporate these words into our Christmas carols. This is the imagery we see in the gospel writers who talk about uh, that, that light the light of the world that shines and the darkness cannot overcome it. This is how we understand the Old Testament. This is how we understand the New Testament. But I think this is also how we understand everything happening around us. I mean, if you think back over the past two years, you know what? You, you don't even have to go back two years. Think back over the last eight days. We have seen these same things over and over. We have seen what it looks like when home is no longer safe, when we are cut off from the places that are comfortable to us. We have seen that darkness of being cast out from the places that were once safe. But the light shines in that darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. We have seen what it looks like when relationships that used to be friendly turn sour. We've seen what it looks like when jealousy and hatred and anger lead to violence and name-calling and bloodshed. We have seen that darkness. But light shines even in that darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. We have seen what it looks like when oppressive or evil systems injure or oppress their own people. And yet we have proclaimed the gospel that the light shines even in that darkness and we will not allow the darkness to overcome it. We have seen what it looks like when leaders at all levels 
whether in government or in churches or in secular organizations, we have seen what it looks like when leaders are more concerned with their own gain than the welfare of the people around them. We have seen that darkness, but that darkness will not overcome the light. The light will shine in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. We have seen what it looks like when neighboring nations go to war. We've seen what it looks like when the unthinkable happens. We have seen what it looks like when the worst case scenario is so much better than what actually comes to pass. We have seen when hatred and violence lead to the loss of life and livelihood and loved ones. We have seen that deep darkness. Sometimes in the midst of that darkness, it is so hard to see the light. But the good news of the gospel is that the light is shining even in that darkness. And that darkness has not, cannot, and will not overcome it. The good news of the gospel is that God is raising up leaders all around us to proclaim the good news and to do the work of the gospel with every word, every prayer, every song, every deed, every dollar, and every action to proclaim that the darkness will not overcome the light. The good news of the gospel is that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again, and there is no darkness that can stop that. This is who we are. We are a people who believe that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. That the Son of Righteousness rises and brings healing in his wings. And when it is so dark that our neighbors cannot see the light— We will bear it. We will sing it. We will pray it. We will proclaim it. The good news of the gospel is that the sun of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not, has not, cannot, and will not overcome it. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. We read Malachi 4 we find the conclusion of the Old Testament. We find this imagery of light and life. If you have to summarize the story of the Old Testament, those two words do a pretty good job. If you have to summarize the New Testament, light and life pretty much does it. And if you have to look around you at the world we live in and see God at work, light and life, that's the gospel. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.